Oria site. Uh, you've been investing in commercial real estate for 25 plus years, is that correct? Yep. And you're down in uh, Virginia. What Black, Blacksburg, Virginia, home of Virginia Tech. <laughs> okay. And anything else I had to say in your intro? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want to. Whatever I want to. Yeah. I'll just make some stuff up. Um, we're basically going to just sort of be chatting about, like, the, you know, the basics of why commercial real estate and what's out there that, that's bad information, um, the current market, uh, what you see happening over the next couple of years, and maybe a little bit about, you know, like, describe some of your favorite deals kind of thing. Right. Okay. No problem. Um, how long um, does the thing go? And, and I just ask so that I don't get too wordy in my answers, and I'm aware of your your schedule. There will be we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do as if we were going to take a break every 15 uh-huh. minutes, but they won't fill those in right now, obviously. Right. So with with the breaks, it runs around 47 minutes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no problem. And uh, yeah, too wordy. Probably not going to be a problem. Well, I've done some of these, you know, they do it in like eight minutes and 37 seconds. And so (laughs) you give them real brief answers and, you know, uh, so (laughs) I just needed to kind of know the format. Okay. All right. And uh, yeah, we're we're, we're basically assuming we're talking to people who don't, don't, you know, have any background in this. So. Okay. All right. Let me do like five, four, three, two, one, or just go. All right. <laughs> Let's see, if I if I don't have a theme in my head, I have a hard time. I'll sing it for you. Do 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 do. You might want to have a cough button going here. And. <laughs> Good afternoon, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And if you've always suspected that the real money is in commercial real estate, listen in, because we've got one of the top experts in the topic of commercial real estate with us today. This is a pre-recorded program, so we won't be able to take your questions today by phone. But, of course, you can always send them to our AskVina.com website. And while you're there, sign up to get our free weekly e-letter that will tell you all about the upcoming guest, what's going on on Real Life Real Estate, and also give you an educational article that will help you out in your real estate career. That's AskVina.com. My guest today is Ray Alcorn, who has been investing in commercial real estate for more than a quarter of a decade. He lives in Blacksburg, Virginia, and he is one of the just two all-day speakers at the upcoming Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Convention here in Cincinnati on November 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. You can still get signed up for that event by going to wmkvfm.org, there's a spe- very special 
special deal there for folks who are supporting public radio with their pledge. And it, that includes Ray's all-day seminar. So if you like what you hear today, be sure and go to wmkvfm.org and get signed up for that wonderful convention. Uh, Ray, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, Veda. Uh, glad to have you here. We rarely get guests with the sort of depth and breadth of experience that you have in this uh, in this arena. Um, you you have really been focusing most of your career on commercial real estate. Can we can we just start out by assuming that uh, folks out there aren't aware of, of of all that commercial real estate includes and 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 you, you tell them tell them what kinds of things what kinds of properties you're actually getting into. Sure, be glad to. Um, and uh, I'll as bad as I hate to admit it, you misspoke in the intro there. You said quarter of a decade. I uh, wish that century. Uh, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> quarter of a decade, two point five yeah, years. I've, yeah, uh, I, I, I say twenty five years plus, and I I leave the plus vaguely because <laughs> uh, I really I really grew up in the uh, in the real estate business. I actually started out in manufactured housing. Uh, my my father was a uh, very large mobile home dealer back years and years and years ago. And uh, I got over into real estate development back in uh, the, uh, the 80s. So uh, I've been around a while. This is uh, my fifth or sixth recession, depending on how you count them. Uh, and uh, so for us, we're, we're excited. I'm partners with two of my brothers, uh, Randy and Rick, and we've been together for over 20 years. And so we've seen it all, and we've been in and out of just about every sector of commercial real estate, every property type of commercial real estate there is. Um, currently own uh, our our own firm that uh, specializes in uh, in development and uh, and investment. We do probably even split between the two. Uh, our current focus is uh, office buildings. Um, and uh, some downtown uh, mixed-use type developments. We have, you know, to give you a little bit of background, we started out uh, years and years and years ago building mobile home parks. That got over into single-family home building with modular houses and then into small-scale subdivision development and then into larger-scale commercial development. So uh, we actually uh, were very, very heavy in in multiple multifamily uh, for a number of years, and then just purely due to lifestyle considerations back about uh, five or six years ago, we decided to uh, concentrate on uh, retail and office. Rode the retail boom up that everybody read about, and all those great profits were made, and uh, we started selling out in 06, expecting a recession. We were a little early, but in our experience, better early than than late. (laughs) And uh, that kind of brings you up to date as to uh, you know where we are now mm-hmm. uh, in in focusing on on office and and downtowns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, commercial real estate, uh, a, a lot of stuff just gets lumped in there. Yeah, you know stuff that stuff that is uh, is is residential in the sense that people live there, like yeah. like a p- large apartment buildings and mobile home parks and things like that. And then also things where that are that are used more for businesses or stuff like uh-huh. self storage, warehouse space, office, 
commercial, right. yeah, retail, uh, that sort of thing. And at the moment, you're really focused away from the stuff that people live in. Well, yeah, and again, that's a lifestyle choice. I get a lot of questions, especially when we started uh, uh, moving out of apartments and mobile home parks back, uh, like I said, six, five, six, seven years ago. People got, you know, they, they took that as, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're worried about the sector. And it wasn't that at all. It's just that residential real estate is is more in management intensive. And to be quite honest, I'm 54 years old. The older I get, the lazier I get. And uh, we just got to a point to where uh, we wanted to kind of simplify our operations. So you make a great point. The media tends to lump a lot of stuff under the banner of commercial real estate. And not only and and you know apartments or income properties are certainly part of the commercial real estate uh, universe. The generally accepted divisions of property types are uh, residential, multifamily, uh, retail developments, your shop, shopping centers, strip centers, that type of thing, office buildings, and industrial. Personally, I add to that what you mentioned: business commercial hotels, self-storage, assisted living, those types of things. I separate those out because they have a very large business component to them in addition to, in, and in, in a lot of respects, bigger than the real estate component. Um, and then also in the major media definitions, they also include development loans, whether it be a subdivision or a condo project or you know something of that nature, uh, which development is really a separate discipline from real estate in investment. So in my world, I, I tend to divide it a little bit thinner um, as far as, uh, you know, the, the niches that, that, that we move back and forth between. Um, and it's a determination, you know, almost year by year uh, as to where we will move uh, between development, acquisition, sales, and, you know, spread across those sectors we we've we've been in them all except for industrial i don't have a lot of experience with industrial mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're listening to real life real estate investing my guest today is ray alcorn and we are talking commercial properties this is a pre-recorded show but if you have any questions go ahead and go to askvina.com send them through there and we will be back right after this Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Ray Alcorn, who is an extremely experienced commercial real estate investor slash developer slash guru god of all things. Oh, that... no, I'll argue the guru. I'm the, anti, <laughs> I'm the anti-guru. <laughs> well, let, let's, use, let's use guru in the true sense of a wise person who can convey their knowledge to someone else, not in the sense that it has come to be used in the real estate world <laughs> and say, that, say again that Ray is going to be uh, presenting this topic all day at the upcoming OREA conference here in Cincinnati on November 5th. He is one of the uh, Thursday all-day speakers, and uh, there's just two of them. So if you're interested in commercial, this would be a real good thing to come out to, because obviously we have like 47 minutes in this show, and he's got like eight hours in that day. You can go to wmkvfm.org to get more information on how to make a little, 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 little pledge of $79 and get all this great information 
But you got to do it soon because the event is up on us. Now, uh, Ray, you mentioned that um, like a lot of folks who are into commercial, a, a big a big reason for that is that, frankly, residential tenants are kind of a pain in the butt. It's 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 management <laughs> issues that 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 sometimes drive people to true commercial properties as much as uh, the the larger numbers and the larger profits. But let me let me play devil's advocate for a moment and say that everything that I'm reading in the various business publications is saying that commercial real estate is crashing and burning. Yeah, don't you love that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I, you know, I just, I wish they'd print more of that. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, doesn't hurt your ability to buy cheap, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is the best buyer's market that I have seen since the early 90s. In fact, we see so many parallels now between uh, now and the conditions that we saw in from about 1989 to about 1991, and so all of this gloom and doom and you know crash imminent and all that. I just you know I think I, I just print more, print more, print mm-hmm. lots of it. You know um, because that's when uh, that's when the buying opportunities are there, and uh, you can really set the stage for uh building a very strong portfolio well what is what what is it that is happening i mean uh, obviously there's a recession going on people always need a roof over their heads but they don't always need to shop as part of it but what what else is going on in the commercial markets that 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 is causing this same thing to happen that happened in the residential markets well like most like most media reports there's there's a kernel of truth there um and again, we live in a soundbite world, um, and people just, you know, the media outlets don't have time or, or the inclination to give really detailed explanations. And in the development end of the business, which again, as I said earlier, is kind of lumped in with commercial real estate, um, there is a monumental shakeout going on. Everybody is aware that you know, condo is the dirtiest word in commercial real estate right now. Um, values in Florida, you know, for example, 25 cents on the dollar, Las Vegas, Phoenix, uh, uh, a number of markets across the country that were just extremely overbuilt, very, very, you know, huge bubble in, uh, in that particular property type. That's getting lumped in with commercial real estate, and yes, there. I mean, it's it's a disaster. It's a financial disaster for these banks that that extended these development loans, um, and the same has been true for residential development, apartment development. Um, there, there's there's a real glut of product in a number of markets now. That's not to say there's no. I mean, my old thing is there's no such thing as nationwide real estate. Everything I say, you know, you have to filter through, okay, what's really going on in my market? Um, but the shakeout that's underway, uh, number one, it, it's, had, it's had about three real major impacts. Number one is, is finance. Uh, the capital markets are still in a, a just state of chaos, and uh, securitization of uh, commercial mortgages, which is what everybody's worried about, and that's the headline numbers of where the crash is coming from. They can't refinance. Uh, the loans are going in foreclosure. You see 
big mall operators like General Growth Properties file Chapter 11. Those things grab headlines. Uh, it has shut down the secondary market uh, of securitized finance. There hasn't been an issue since July of 2008. The flip side of that is that's put the banks back in the driver's seat. There are a lot of strong banks out there that are very, very aggressively seeking commercial real estate loans. Uh, you have to you have to look hard to find them. Uh, the second major impact is the effect on valuations, um, and that gets into a real detailed discussion that we don't have time to go into here. I will cover it in the in the ARIA event, which I'm really looking forward to, by the way, because I don't do that many of these. Um, but the the impact valuation is affected directly. There's a direct correlation between valuations and the availability of capital. So if you have a situation in the capital markets where there's a lot of disarray, a lot of chaos, then that means money costs more, which means the property has to cost less in order to provide the investor with returns. The third major impact has been on how the, the markets have reacted um, and it's a combination of the first two. There is a lot of product out there that has, is just not on the market because owners are, you know, let's face it, we just we just came through 10 years of the absolute best real estate market I've ever seen. And anybody that didn't take advantage of, of low-rate, fixed-rate debt and for properties they were going to hold, well, they just, you know, had blinders on. They really made a bad decision. For owners like us, uh, we're very stable because our rent rolls are stable with long-term leases, and we have fixed-rate debt with long-term uh, amortizations and uh, you know really no short-term loan triggers. And that's what drives crisis, and that's what really drove the crash back in 89 was all of that, that liquidity being withdrawn from the market. That's not the case this time. So that's a long answer to, yes, there's, you know, there, there's truth in what you're reading in the media, but there's a lot more to the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that a lot of folks, when they're when they're contemplating getting into commercial, which is, of course, just you know, a a, a, a giant project in a lot of people's heads because yeah. they think that it's it's a whole lot different than you know scares them to death exactly than residential yeah. and 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 the numbers are bigger. I mean, let's face it, you know. Oh yeah. Buy a buy a house in most parts of the country for a hundred thousand bucks. You could be looking at a million to to to, to do a, a low end, completely vacant strip center. You know, in 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 most parts of the country. But I think one of the things that scares people is this idea of if I get into commercial while we're in a recession, how am I going to find tenants for my retail center? How am I going to find tenants for my office space? What's what's the secret to keep keeping that going in a recession? Vina, that is that is the question. That is the perfect question. And that goes back to, I mentioned a little bit earlier briefly about our strategy here of, of switching from property type to property type and then really, really understanding our markets. And really, markets are the key. You have to understand the local market. Again, there's no such thing as nationwide real estate. The market dynamics, say, for retail center in Las Vegas compared to Roanoke, Virginia, uh, are two completely separate worlds. 
and what's going on in Vegas has absolutely no effect in Roanoke, Virginia. So, number one, you have to understand the market you're in. Um, you have to look at the fundamentals of existing projects. Do you see a lot of vacancies or big boxes pulling out? Those things are really driven by population changes. And it's there, there's, a, there's about three factors demographically that we watch uh, as a general rule of thumb, which is in, or income levels, uh, employment levels, and population growth. So those three factors right there, when they turn up positive, regardless of what's going on in the larger economy, we know we have found a market that, that shows stability, shows good fundamentals, um, and that we we you know would like to investigate further now switch over to property type because once you understand the market you, the market will also tell you which property types are suffering which ones are doing well which ones you know maybe are poised to do well which ones are poised to crash i happen to be very bearish on the retail sector right now in most markets and again i, I filter all of this you know take this uh, and then apply it to your own market to see see that if if what if this holds, and the reason for that uh, again gets detailed, but it gets into lower consumer spending, higher consumer savings rate. We're going to be saddled with high unemployment for quite some time, so I'm I'm pretty bearish on retail. I would really dissuade the investor of of pursuing the example you just used of a million dollar vacant strip center. Um, that would not be the type of property that I would look to invest in. However, um, office buildings. I mentioned we're very heavy in office buildings. There are three sectors of the economy right now that are growing and and trending for more growth, and it's pretty obvious once you think about it. Uh, number one on that list is government. Um, I, everybody realizes that the government is is intervening in the economy in a way that we've never seen before. It's leading to in, increased demand for space for new government agencies, existing agencies that are applying stimulus funds and that type of thing. The second on the list is health care. Uh, for all of the debate about health care reform and, and all that, leaving all the politics aside, health care is a growing industry. It's driven by demographics, an aging population, the baby boomers, I'm, of which I'm right in the middle of. Uh, needing more, you know, care. The market's really looking for more efficient answers. Uh, you know, we're targeting the the little walk-in clinics, the you know, ready care type thing. Uh, Walgreens, for example, is putting uh, walk-in walk-in clinics in their drugstores. So healthcare is poised to grow, and and they 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 are prime users of office space. And then the third sector is legal. With all of this government activity, with all of these increased regulations uh, in our increasingly, you know, litigious society, uh, we're finding a lot of demand in from law firms uh, and legal services type uh, uh, firms that are looking for new office space. So you have to go where they're going. Uh, we concentrate on county seats. We like. I live in a college town, Blacksburg, Virginia, home of Virginia Tech. So obviously we get a lot of government action here. Uh, you have to go to where they need to be. Uh, I love county seats because there's a courthouse, and a courthouse means law firms. A uh, courthouse means government agencies. So it's a process of you know looking at your market, understanding the demographics, 
and then understanding the fundamentals that drive each one of those those properties. Very good. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Ray Alcorn, and we will be back talking more about commercial real estate right after this. Do we have one more segment or two more? (coughs) 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 You might want to wash this one. I better not. Getting on an airplane tomorrow, I could be the... All right. Um, let me see if I can make heads or tails of these questions here. Securities market mean for the future. We already did that one. What do you see as opportunities coming over the next few years? We did that one. Okay. Welcome back to, back to the size. Hmm. Might want to go back to the size issue. I, I didn't really speak to the deal size. Okay. All right. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Ray Alcorn, and he's, he's given us a, a really sort of experienced, long-term view of the current and future situation in the commercial real estate market, which is what he has been dealing with for 25-plus years. And we've been talking about sort of the difference between what's happening in the real world and what's happening in the media and um, that that this is a really good opportunity for folks to get into commercial uh, real estate with some education. And and Ray, let me let me emphasize that. I mean, here on real life real estate, we're always, you know, go get education before you do anything because if you don't, you're a danger to yourself and the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in in commercial, it's even more important. I mean, you just you can't you can't play this game walking in without being able to speak the language and understand the resources. I mean, these exactly. you're not you're not dealing with some homeowner here who's you know had his house for two years and now he's in foreclosure and he doesn't know what the heck's going on. You're dealing with with people like Ray Alcorn <laughs> who who want to know that you know you you have a, at least a good background in how this stuff works before you, before you jump into a deal. Yes, absolutely. And that, uh, that, that's all of my writings focus on that very issue, Vina. Uh, that's something that you and I share is that, uh, you cannot, that this is not a, uh, OJT on the job training type of thing. It takes some preparation. You do need, do need to understand what you're, what you're dealing with, and understand the fundamentals of how the game is played before you before you get started. Mm-hmm. Now let's uh, let, let's go back to this issue that we've kind of touched on a couple of times, and that is uh, deal size. Because mm-hmm. even even within the the, the 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 little area that you're you're liking right now, which is office space, I've seen you know little class B and C office buildings that maybe only have ten twelve suites in them. And then I've seen downtown high rises with literally hundreds and hundreds of potential. T- and we're talking about a big difference in the numbers here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's you know the the big fear that, that I, when I do uh, speaking engagements, I always ask the audience, you know, how many people, uh, uh, or the number one reason for people, you know, stay away from the commercial real estate, and it's always fear. And the numbers, it comes down to the numbers. People are just afraid of getting into deals that are, you know, six, seven figures. And the reality is that 
you can start wherever you are. Um, we have properties in our portfolio that we have bought for as little as sixty thousand um, dollars. I'm in, under contract right now for a property at one hundred and sixty-five thousand um, dollars. I've had several acquisitions in the last uh, twelve months that have been well below the uh, the million mark, more more really, a, you know, around half a million or so, which in a lot of markets, that's a single-family house price. So it's it's not something, it's not it's not necessarily tied to deal size. It's, uh, it's what really drives uh, the rewards of commercial real estate is the flexibility that you have in creating a return. And whether you do that with a hundred thousand dollar building or a million dollar building is really immaterial. Um, there are a lot of opportunities out there in in the sub one million and even sub half million range that uh, that can be very very profitable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now we did we did send out a, a request for uh, questions that listeners wanted to hear prior to this. Uh, pre-recording and we got got some of them here that uh, I'd like to try and tackle. Uh, here's a good one. Given that a lot of the players in the commercial finance market have uh, stopped playing, what is the best entrance or buying strategy for getting into commercial today? And the question goes on to say, what does he think of buying discounted or defaulted notes and foreclosing or getting a deed in lieu? Oh, wow. Um, let me answer the first part first, uh, the, the first first question. Um, we have always, and, and I stress this, we have always dealt really with community banks as our prime source of funds. Now, we, we also use a very select list of private investors from time to time. But community banks are really the backbone of the individual direct real estate investor. And by direct, I I mean, you know, not counting the institutions, the REITs and all that. Uh, We have multiple banking relationships, which is something that I I just continually harp on. You have to develop. And those sources of finance are still quite active uh, with very attractive loan terms. Um, we we have done a number of deals lately that, uh, you know, my favorite kind of deal is finding a, a property that's 50% vacant and a bank knows they're upside down in the property and I go in riding in and say, hey, I can solve your problem. And uh, they love that. Um, now, the second part of the question about buying defaulted notes, distressed uh, portfolio, that type thing, I'm very wary of that. Uh Getting into the getting into the the, the defaulted note uh, business is a really different ball game than actual real estate investing, and you've got to be very very conversant with the legal requirements in your state because every state's different. Uh, the foreclosure process, the collection process, redemptions, and all of those types of issues, priority of liens, uh, tax issues. There are, are some very complex tax issues involved in, uh, in defaulted notes. Um, so really that, for me, is two separate businesses. And we, although we have bought some, some notes, that's not our primary focus. Um, I see more opportunity right now 
in owning the dirt. Um, if I have to buy the note and foreclose it to get it, and it looks like a simple process, my attorney tells me, yeah, we can get this done, you know, in a reasonable time, then I'm willing to do that. But if I'm going to crawl into a situation where it's going to Chapter 11, I'm going to be drug out for six months to a year, then I'm probably just going to wait for it to go to auction. Um, the opportunities, uh, because of the, the the lack of big institutional capital um, the and, and the, the resulting uh, decrease in valuations, the opportunities are in actually owning the dirt. So, you know, my advice would be concentrate on finding, you know, number one, good markets, number two, the property type that the market supports, and uh, and then go shopping. It's like real estate on sale. <laughs> okay, uh, next question, and I, I know I know where this one's coming from because uh, you and I have already had some discussions about um the enormous explosion in and i'm 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 putting ironic quotes around this all right mm-hmm. commercial education mm-hmm. <laughs> in the market today <laughs> yeah and uh one of the one of the things that is really being pushed out there as you know this is the way to get in with very little money of your own et cetera, is the idea of triple net leasing mm-hmm. other people's property so so you you give the owner a payment every month that covers everything and then you get to raise the rents etc uh the question is what is your opinion of the near-term opportunities in triple net leases uh it's a tool and like like um a lot of other techniques i look at it as you know, one of 10 or 15 tools that I have available to use in pursuing acquisitions. There is a sliver of the market that owners will entertain those master lease type situations, which is, I think is where the question's coming from. Um, and it's a viable strategy. Now, I'll qualify that in saying that may, and this is a pure guess, I have no hard stats, but you know, that may apply to 10% of the total market out there, the properties available. Um, and, you know, just like, you know, seller financing types of structures, uh, that applies to another, you know, maybe 10, 20% of the market. So it's a, it's a good tool to have in your toolbox, but, you know, don't fall into the trap of, I've got this hammer, so everything's a nail. <laughs> Um, you're not going to find those types of deals in uh, in quantity. Uh, it's it's not scalable, as the techies would put it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a specialized situation. You have to find the right owner, the right situation, that with the right kind of debt on it. Because due on sale clauses in commercial real estate are stringent and enforced, and some types of master leases can be considered sales. And I won't. Again, that gets into arcane details, but again, it's it's a tool that's a viable strategy, and you know, in some cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray, what do you see as the immediate future over the course of the next uh, one to two years of commercial real estate in general? Well, um, that. <laughs> That's the $64 question. 
that gets into the macroeconomic issues of, you know, do you believe uh, Ben Bernanke and, and CNBC right now that says recession's over and uh, everything's going to be hunky-dory and, gosh, good times are here again? Or do you subscribe to the pessimistic view of this is a temporary bump um, and that we're in for more pain? Uh, I come down somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, I see uh, really a, a, a protracted period, and by that I mean about two years, maybe three, of really subpar growth. Uh, you know, GDP growth in the one, one and a half percent range, if not going negative again. I was just looking on uh, forecast.org, which projects um, uh, the economy, and, and they they show GDP falling back into negative territory uh, in late uh, 2010 or the second half of 2010. Um, so what I see, again, going back to my earlier comment, I see a very, very striking parallel to what we experienced from 89 to 91, and that was a period of extreme uh, chaos, again, in the capital markets mostly. Um, valuations uh, suppressed because of the lack of capital, and uh, that's when a lot of the present-day real estate fortunes were were created. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where, again, you have to understand your market, understand your property type, uh, structure the deal for what we do. Our rule of thumb here is we structure every deal for a worst-case break-even. Um, and that allows us to look at the project and say, okay, you know, worst case, we, we get a double-dip recession um, and finance doesn't get straightened out for another year or 18 months. Uh, worst case, uh, can we, you know, does this deal still make sense? And so that's how we approach it. We we are are not bullish on the economy. Um, I'm not overly bearish. I don't think we're headed for you know a, a complete crash, but I think it's going to be as John Malden, one of the uh, favorite finance advisors, says, a muddle through economy. And so that really plays to my advantage as uh, as an investor. I, I can pick and choose my opportunities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Ray Alcorn, commercial investor extraordinaire, also speaker at the 2009 OREA convention on November 5th through 8th here in Cincinnati. More information about that at WMKVFM.org. We'll be back right after this. <coughs> Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate and Investing. I'm your host, Vena Jones-Cox. If you haven't gone to realliferealestateradio.com and fanned Real Life Real Estate, I just don't know what your problem is because more than 2,100 of your fellow listeners have done exactly that. And they are getting constant updates on what's going on in the world of Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's the fans, in fact, that knew to ask questions when we were pre-recording a show today. You know, you didn't get your question in. Don't blame me. It's because you're not a fan. RealLifeRealEstateRadio.com to fan the show here. Um, Ray, a couple of other questions that have come in regarding some some fairly specific strategies. Uh, Another triple net lease question, but in the other direction. 
What do you think of single tenant projects like, uh, can't quite read this, Dollar General's uh, medical office buildings, that sort of thing, where you got one building, one tenant paying on a triple net lease, and of course, if they stop paying, you've got a 100% vacancy rate? Yes. Um, that uh, The net lease sector is that that was that was the really the apex of where the big run up in valuations uh occurred over the last uh four, five, six years. Walgreens is the sort of the poster boy. Uh those valuations went down to six percent cap rates, which you know, just unheard of. They're back up now to seven and a half to eight. Um, the property type itself, single tenant uh is divided into two categories. Um, first are credit tenant leases, and that's your Walgreens, uh, Home Depot, a Dollar Dollar General um, actually is a credit tenant, although it gets into some bond rating or arcane details again. But uh, those types of tenants sign long-term leases. They have very strong credit ratings. Uh, you have a corporate guarantee, and that's one half, say, of, of the triple net market. The other half is, uh, like was mentioned, medical office buildings that maybe just a, a doctor's practice leases, um, you know, uh, franchised restaurants. People think, okay, I've got a Burger King as a tenant, that's great, but what they don't realize is the leasee is really just a one-store franchisee. That's not a credit tenant lease. There's a valuation gap between the two, and that's why I make the distinction. Um, people that are looking at triple net properties are looking at a couple of things. Uh, write-off is the attraction. Number one, totally hands-off, totally passive. You don't do anything except open the rent check, and if you do it like we do, we have direct deposit. We don't even have to open the envelope. <laughs> um, it's a great product. It, it, you get all of the tax benefits of owning real estate, um, depreciation, uh, all of those things. You get some very, very good finance terms, although they're nowhere near as liberal now as they were, say, 18 months ago. Um, they're great estate planning tools uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but they have some downsides. Uh, but, and people tend to, you know, they value them based only on the income. Um, I see a lot, for an example, I see a lot of quickie loop stores that are, you know, advertised as, triple net properties, you know, guaranteed income, 15-year lease. What people don't look at is you're paying $560 a square foot for a 2,000-square-foot building that could be built for 75 bucks a foot. It's what I call the dirt factor. Um, just because it has a, a triple net lease on it, even long-term, you still have to evaluate that piece of real estate based on the dirt factors, which are location, um, adaptability of reuse in case that tenant fails. It does happen. Um, and then, you know, just the basics of uh, ingress, egress, signage, all the regular real estate stuff that you would be looking at. And and a lot of people tend to overlook that. Um, and, and the result is they overpay for the property. And that's, you may get, you know, your return may be 8 9% uh, rather than, you know, 12 or so percent that uh, that you could get. Um, but you have to be careful of the leasee quality and what type of leasee it is. 
and the the actual real estate factors. So, you know, the outlook for that segment, uh, I think, is very good. Um, and that goes back to some, you know, some business trends and that we're seeing more and more specialization of businesses um, and, and narrower and narrower niches, you know, that, and they want their own location, freestanding, and uh, are willing to commit to a long-term lease. So I think the outlook for the sector is is good, um, but you have to be very diligent in uh, in evaluating that that leasee and the real estate itself. I think some of some of what I'm hearing here, Ray, is similar to what the market is like for residential properties which which is you 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 have you have different kinds of buyers yes in commercial and in residential and i there was about a a five-year period here in cincinnati where basically no cincinnatian who really understood the cincinnati market could touch any apartment building with more than about 100 units in it because buyers from outside the state were coming in and and buying them at like a four cap right. and and no one in cincinnati wanted to accept that sort of return but that was you know a particular kind of buyer who maybe lived in california and couldn't right. find anything in california that had any kind of return at all and so a four cap actually looked really attractive and yeah and and yeah. you know pushed pushed a lot of uh of local folks out of the market because we just weren't willing to compete with that and it sounds like in commercial properties, you've got a couple of different kind of buyers as well. Probably the the um, uh, more institutional buyers, like the insurance companies and the REITs and so on, that are looking for that. What's the cash on cash return? Period. Don't care about the building. And then there's what you're teaching people to do, which is yeah, that's great, but also look at the worst case scenario. Vein of that, you know, that is uh, a great point, and I have. I have drawn the parallel so many times between, you know, evaluating commercial real estate really on the same type of of criteria that you would evaluate a single-family home. You're still, I mean, I say market. In SFR, you're looking at neighborhood. Um, You know, I say, you know, demographics, and what you're looking at is, is comparable home sales. And it's really the same thing with a different terminology. Um, one of the hardest things that for us, we really started getting ready for the downturn, uh, back, as I said, back in 06 and early 07. And our, my hardest thing has been patient, patience. Um, I'm, I'm still running into sellers that think, still think it's 2006 and uh, think they can get that type of valuation. Um, and it's just not there, and you just have to kind of wait for them to, to come around. The people that passed on those deals in Cincinnati at four caps were smart folks. You know that put me out. I didn't do any acquisitions hardly, and uh, in, in from about '04 to about '06, we did some development and building because uh, typically over the years when the market is on a rise, that's when we that's when we build um, because we can't buy. We can't buy at any kind of decent return. Um, so. You know, it's it, it, the parallels are exactly like you said. You're, you've you've got you've got a different different little class of property, but the types of buyers really are the same. You've, it, you know, flipping right now is over. You're you're not going to flip a property for you know 
20, 30 percent gains in, in less than a year. I don't care what you're dealing with. Um, it's just not, it's just not there. So the, the, the strategic end of it has changed. And that's what so many people are having a problem with. A lot of people got into real estate in the last five, six, seven years. They've never seen a down market. And they're having a real problem with that strategic shift of being able to just be patient, let the deal come to you, don't overpay, always protect your return. Very good. Um, wow. Uh, so trying to cover you know all all this stuff in the commercial market at uh in a 47 minutes is obviously sort of a frustrating experience but you've done uh, pretty you've, you've done very well <laughs> i compliment you you've, you've covered a lot of ground and i hope i haven't gone on into i'm bad about getting into too many details no uh, no 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 uh, we 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 love we love details here on here on well i'm really i, I love them too because because success is in the details yes yes absolutely um, last question that we, we had from a listener and, and we've just got like a minute to answer this is the, the, the best approaches for raising money over the next one to two years as the, um, big commercial lenders who were in the field a couple of years ago continue to drop out. Is it really about the private financing and the, local banks that you talked about, or is there a place here for owner financing as well? Owner financing is entering into at least 50% of the deals that I'm, I'm working on right now. Wow. Um, and, and it's, you know, again, this is straight out of that 89 to 91 playbook. Uh, and, and we're having a blast. Um, I can structure owner finance deals in a number of different ways, combining them with capital sources like banks. I like banks better than private investors for one simple reason. They're a lot cheaper. <laughs> um, you know, the banks are, you know, they, they, I'm borrowing money at four and a half percent. And, and that's actually paying them a premium at times, I think. But uh, private investors are looking for a little bit more than that uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but the, the owner finance, the seller financed strategy is driving the direct investment market right now um, to the same degree that I saw back in eighty nine ninety one when when the institutional capital providers were just on the sidelines. So there is hope for the guy who's been looking at this commercial market and wants to oh, get into it now. And... There is there is there is extreme opportunity. I, I, I just. I'm I'm literally just it's it's a buyer's market like I did not think I would see again in my career. Very good, and you can learn more about that buyer's market and how to take advantage of it by coming to the 2009 OREA conference. Coming to see Ray's all day Thursday workshop. Don't bring a notepad. Bring a couple of notebooks to take notes in because <laughs> it will be like drinking from a fire hose. You can register for that and pledge to Public Radio WMKV by going to wmkvfm.org. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Do, do, do. <laughs> 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 <laughs>